RadioInfluence.com. You've seen Chef Ryan Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Hey, 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 hey. Welcome to Duffified Live. This is going to be a fun little week, boys and girls, because you know what? I just finished up my weekend out there at the Taste Festival in Philadelphia. A little G-Love action. You guys know how much I love my buddy G. I love watching him play. I, unfortunately, was in the restaurant Friday night, banging out a whole bunch of great barbecue. Uh, Didn't have the opportunity to sit down with G-Love and the boys from Ship Bottom Brewery out in Jersey. I didn't have the chance to sit and watch them jam for like three hours or whatever it was that I kept getting calls from. What time are you going to be here? You almost here? You're missing a great night. When are you going to be here? That's my life about fear of missing out. That's why I do all of these events, because I don't want to miss shit. So, with that being said... Taste Festival. God, we must have fed over 2,500 people. Um, I got to work with this amazing duck product from a company out in Redding, Pennsylvania called Jergowitz Duck, Tasty Duck. Check them out if you can do it. It's at Tasty Duck on Instagram. Uh, they're beautiful ducks. Uh, we did a really cool little thing. I did a dry rub on all of our duck. Um, it's just a little bit of our barbecue spice. I savoried it up a little bit because um, I knew I was going to sweeten it at the end. But I savoried it up a little bit. I made that word up, savoried, um, right there. But uh, And then I charred it. Watching my buddy Chad Rosenthal out there in Portland, Oregon a couple weeks ago, I watched him bang out uh, – uh, some charred duck, and I really was very impressed with it, and I love that flavor, that smoke that it imparted, plus that burnt texture that I love, such a big fan of. Um, so I charred up my duck, and then I smoked it for an hour and 15 minutes at 180 degrees. So an hour and 15 at 118 or at 180 is a pretty, pretty quick time, especially when it's getting just pounded with smoke. So I got a really nice product out of that. We ended up doing this awesome slaw, which had white beans and cabbage and broccoli and carrots and red onions and just a whole bunch of chopped fresh herbs and some really good stuff in there that we served the duck over top of um, with a white bean and duck confit slaw. And that duck confit is from uh, Jergowitz as well. Not a commercial. I'm just a chef. I'm telling you guys where I got that product. I didn't make my own confit. So, but it was a pretty cool event. I was really stoked to be out there again. Chris and Dina put on just a wonderful event. A really nice time hanging out with everybody at the end of the night, going out for dinner and all that. And Sam, my assistant, who just crushed it again. She served food by herself Friday night, guys. She had a, a chef working with her, but she ran the show and she did an amazing job. So. Then I got to get up on stage, do a fun little demo, which I love to do. Um, Shared the stage with guys like Kev D, Barry Sexton, uh, 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 Christine Hazel. You know, we got up there. We have a lot of fun, man. Frank Ber- uh, Frank Benowitz gets up there, and he does a whole bunch of stuff. It's just a really neat event. If you ever get a chance to get to one, definitely go. Um, they're really cool. We're doing one in Lancaster in a couple weeks as well that I'm pretty stoked about, so I'll see you guys out there. Um, leaving a uh, Festival, the food and wine festival that I did out in Vancouver, Washington, out in Ridgefield, Washington, where it was a whole bunch of my buddies and all that stuff out there. And one of the great things about doing these festivals – Um, is that you get to meet other great chefs. So I had an opportunity to hang out with a chef from Puerto Rico 
who I just loved. I just I loved her vibe. Um, I, I loved her passion for the food. Uh, I loved her glasses. And we had a really nice talk while we were out there just about the industry and food and being parents and traveling and all that shit. And it's tough. So I wanted to have her on the show. Um, so I'm just going to go right into it, man. I mean, without further ado, from uh, season three of MasterChef, I want you guys to sit back. I want you to relax. I want you to chill out for a couple minutes and listen to Chef Monte Carlo. Good morning, Chef. Good morning. <laughs> What's going on? What's cracking? What's cracking? I just cracked eggs. Hey, you had breakfast, bragger. I did. I had breakfast. Well, but you got to realize it's noon for me. Yeah. Well, I'm fasting. I have to fast for 18 hours. It's very hard when you love food. Why do you have to fast? Because I need to drop some pounds. I need to drop some LBs, okay? I've been going a little crazy at the bakeries. It's fucking I've been, I've been racing. I've been racing to diabetes. Racing towards the D word. <laughs> I got to slow it down. Uh, it's so funny. They're like, oh, my God. And because, you know, you're in TV. Oh, first off, stop. Hold on. All right. So why don't you do me a favor? <laughs> tell me. Because everybody's like, what the f- what are we listening to? Like, is he calling his mom? What are we doing? I'm not your mama. <laughs> All right. So why don't you tell me who you are, what you do and how people can get in contact with you? Okay. My name is Monte Carlo. I am raising a 10 year old son. His name is Danger Davis. I love him very much. That is primarily my main reason for living. But then to make my money, I am a culinary instructor. I'm a chef and uh, I co-founded a platform called everythingfood.com where people can search all their favorite foods over a million foods and find out all the chemicals that they were processed with. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Why'd you do that? You see, I believe in a better world, Duffy. And I believe that the food system in this country is upside down and the quality of the food in this country is just disgusting compared to the quality of the food in other places in the world. And I don't think if people knew, like really had a good idea of what was happening with the food, that they would buy it. I think they would revolt and I think they would ask for something better. So what I am doing is providing that knowledge in the palm of your hand, thanks to really talented computer geeks that know what they are doing. Very excited about having my team of computers. That's pretty cool. Do you, you do you find, and if you have to put like a percentage to it, what do you think the percentage of the United States population is that 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 cares about that? About I think. About a hundred percent of people care about their food. I think that they're being lied to and manipulated. I think marketing in this country is obscenely gross. That it's it's completely perfectly legal to label something natural that isn't that right. is made with chemicals and all sorts of other preservatives that are banned and outlawed in the rest of the world. I think most people have no idea that chicken in the U.S. is illegal to sell in Europe. Or that there's strawberries that are sold, you know, buy one, buy one pack, get one free when they're in season. They have no idea that what they're actually doing is giving their family a bunch of toxic chemicals because conventionally grown strawberries are grown with over 300 pesticides and other toxic chemicals per acre. But I think so what I think my... if people knew that, if people knew that, 
they would be all about supporting people that do things the right way. And I think, I, I mean, I think where my question is coming from is because I, I spent a lot of time in the Midwest. I spent a lot of time in the Northeast, like Northeast. I guess that's a bad area to talk about because you've got like Maine and Vermont and all that up there, which is a different world. But really through the Midwest and what I find, and especially in a lot of the inner cities and stuff like that, like, you know, one of my guys walked into the restaurant the other day and he had he had chicken nuggets like he had. He had. I don't give a fuck. He had these nasty ass McDonald's chicken nuggets in his hand. And I'm like, do you have any idea what you're doing to yourself? And he looks at me. He's like, I only had three bucks, dude. I was hungry. And I was like, but you're walking it, yourself into a restaurant where you work like you. Had right, to and have I totally get those. that. I get that. I get that there. Everyone has their favorite junk food. But when you're literally doing your best to feed your family healthy food and we all have that week, it's usually right after New Year's Eve. Um, where we're trying to do our best, okay? And on, you quick, feel like everybody you're buy organic all this money. now. <laughs> it's true though, and you're buying all this stuff, and you think it's it's really good for your family, and it totally isn't, you know. So for me, it's all about having that knowledge, so you can make that decision for yourself. If you want to stuff yourself full of chicken nuggets, you do you, seriously. But the people right. that are purchasing those chicken nuggets under the belief that that all you know, uh, vegetarian fed chicken label means anything. Those are the people I'm fighting for. Right. Why do you think that it is? I mean, I'm going to come back to that question. I want to do this question instead. Where do we start? Where do we start with what? Should we start with the educational, with the education of it? With ed- well, we start by making it easy. Yeah. No one's going to work real hard to educate themselves. Okay. We are busy people. You're a parent. I'm a parent. I don't have time to fuss around reading a label and trying to decipher if this company is being honest or not. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that's why we want to make it really simple. We've taken all of the food databases in this country. It's over a million foods. We put them under an algorithm and that gives you one number, one numerical score that tells you, okay, this food is an 82, and an 82 is pretty decent quality. Right. So no worries, you know? And you'd be surprised. Some of my favorite foods, as a chef, as someone that knows about food, were not very good at all. Hold on, I'm going there right now. What's the name of the app? Everythingfood.com. It's a website. It's not oh, it's an app website. just yet. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. All right, I'm going there as well. Hey. So, <laughs> so when you see a hit, everything, E V E R Y T H I N G, food. Yes. Dot com. Dot com. Get it. I got it. Thank I'm you. Right now. You're very welcome. We're going to do this. We're going to push right there and it's going to tell me all the shitty stuff. So, like, I went to Popeyes the other night. Not I work. mean, Popeyes, you cannot deny I didn't the get shot, though. of that fried chicken. You know, I, like, Oh my god! I didn't get shot. I didn't get stabbed because you heard what happened god, the other dude. day, right? They re-released no, a chicken sandwich, and people were stabbing each other for Somebody it. Somebody got stabbed. There was a there was a fight that ensued in one of the kitchens of a Popeyes, and uh, and there was another one where a dude got stabbed because he got he jumped in line. Wow, that's when you know you've nailed it with your product. Well, it's funny because I went to Popeye's. I literally was just like, it was like, yeah, seriously. Fuck you, it's mine. Here, die. Boy, this is good. Thanks, Popeye's. Um, I went to, uh, I just had a craving the other night. And I was like, I kind of want some fried chicken. And it was late. You want some dirty, dirty. Yeah. I so totally did. 
And I got the coleslaw, which oddly enough, the coleslaw was pretty good. I did oh, throw an extra gross. toe on my foot based on all the chemicals that were in that coleslaw. But yeah, no doubt. But it I was know good. you could taste them too. But With they your were, palate, oh, I ugh, know you could taste those chemicals. So I know you did. It's so bad. Just all mm-hmm. that shit. But anyway, let's let's be nice to Popeyes for a second because I'm about to rip them apart. They had Uh-oh. they 86. Uh, the chicken sandwich, the 86 chicken tenders, chicken nuggets. Well, they don't have nuggets. They only have the tenders. The 86 boneless wings, ranch dressing. I posted it somewhere. Um, they literally were out of everything except for fried chicken and biscuits. They were out of everything. Yeah. They had four people standing in the kitchen. Sorry, two standing, two sitting on a counter. Oh, my gosh. Your favorite. And my, get your, yeah, that's for, that's for glasses, not asses. It's the worst. I hate it. Oh my God. Yeah. But that's not on them though. There's a manager that ordered a bunch of food and did not order enough food. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's not on them. Those kids don't know. I can't find kids, right? my restaurant, but these guys have four people standing in a restaurant. Now you're just jelly. Now I'm you're just so jealous. jealous. So jealous. <laughs> I really was. So what, what brought you into the food world? How did this all come to? My whole life fell apart. Duffy. Yeah. yeah. I was a radio personality for 15 years and a comedian. Really? I was making, yeah, I was making great money at it. I was, uh, I hosted the very first all female morning show in Seattle, Washington. And to make a really long story short, we got um, Oh, do we? Do we have time? Okay. He's like, no, <laughs> details, bitch. Okay. <laughs> um, People are like, yeah. okay, you're from Puerto Rico, why were you in Seattle? <laughs> bueno, I'm from Puerto Rico, but I moved to the United States when I was six or seven years old. And then I, I went back to Puerto Rico a bunch of times, back and forth, back and forth. It's what we do. Okay. Right. Um, and then I ended up uh, moving to the States in 93 when I graduated high school Because I was going to be a star. I was going to be on 90210. I was going to be the first Puerto Rican actress on 90210. It was going to be me. Um, Oh, hey, Kelly. It it didn't work out that way. Um, I ended up in in Florida. I I was a model. I was selling cigars. I wrote comic books. And I got started working in restaurants. My, I got my first restaurant gig. Do you remember the band Matchbox 20? Yeah. I don't know what they sing, but uh, yes. Okay. So the drummer of that band got me my very first restaurant gig as a waitress, except I was such a Looney Tune that it was at this place where there was live music and I would watch the music and dance and not take care of my table. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm so yeah. glad I'm working tonight. <laughs> I was like, this band's great. Um, Fuck your water. I'll be there in a minute. <laughs> it's going to be fine. I love this song. Um, yeah, but the management uh, felt really bad. I, I was like, please don't fire me. Please don't. And so they, they put me in the kitchen. And and uh, I got to start plating desserts and making breads and muffins and cookies. And that's I, how I got started in kitchens. Um very early on, I was in, gosh, I was, I think, 19, 18 or 19. But I quit doing that when I started radio. And um, 
I did radio for 15 years. And then in my mid to late 30s, uh, I was doing morning radio in Seattle. And I decided that it was time to leave radio because my kid, I would come home and my kid was calling the nanny mommy. Oh, and that's not right. That's not right. Yeah. You got kids. You know what I'm talking about? It's not right. I do. So, yeah, it's not right. So I quit my gig and that gave me all the time I needed uh, to figure out that my soon-to-be ex-husband was uh, on Ashley Madison. Remember that website? You know, (laughs) I... So a friend of mine's wife cheated on him and we started to do research. I know more about cheating than I think most humans could ever imagine. I can tell you like percentages of, of relationships and how many are cops and all sorts of shit. Like I know. Oh yeah. I dug in. And one of the first things that I found was Ashley Madison. Free Madison. But see, he wasn't even smart about it. He checked his profile on my computer and then clicked the box that says, remember me always. And then left his profile up. Douchebag. On my computer. So he was really silly about it. He wasn't very smart. How long were you married? He was, oh gosh, maybe two or three years. Really? Yeah, he was a comedian. And we met when I was hosting uh, a radio gig in Miami and doing comedy in South Florida. And uh, I was um, working with him at a comedy show. And I know. And, uh, and within, a, within a week, I was like, we're just going to live together. And then. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, I know he was living out of his car. And I'm like, oh, let's put a ring on it. Let's do this. Uh, <laughs> you got gas money? Baby, marry me. <laughs> Nothing says planning for uh, the future like the guy in the car. I know, dude. I was so in love. I loved him. I could see yeah. nothing besides how much I loved him. That's so funny. Yeah. Okay. But- so you found him on <laughs> Ashley Madison. So, I, I mean, did you then confront him or were you like, I'm fucking out of here? Oh, my God. I was so ugly about it. It's, I'm really ashamed of myself looking back about how ugly I was because okay. um, uh, it, <laughs> I went on his, all of his social media and I was like, I hope she was worth it. You, you know, like I was you posting curse. pictures of his, um, all of his, all of his messages on social media and his, his hers. And what year was this? Yeah, what was year was this? this was 2010. So nine years ago. Yeah. Wow. All this went down. And so I filed for divorce. And that's when I realized that all this money that I thought I had saved, uh, in, you know, that was in my savings account was no longer in my savings account. And I couldn't figure out what had happened to the money. <laughs> I'm like, what dating. happened to he was my, actually my dating money? Ashley Madison? Yo, I got a letter sent to me from the IRS like two months later. Um, that they were suing me for uh, unclaimed gambling winnings like you know like we hadn't he hadn't paid taxes on his gambling winnings so i'm assuming that he gambled this money away Uh, you know so i'm like great this is awesome and then i had no money no gig no one was gonna hire quit my job in a spectacular fashion right um and then my kid got MRSA, which is this flesh-eating bacteria oh yeah 
Yeah. So it's really bad if a little kid gets it. And he was about a year and a half at the time. Oh my God. So Yeah. So we were in and out of the hospital. I basically sold everything I owned to pay for the hospital bills and then to get enough money to get us out of Seattle. And we decided we were going to move to LA because if living in Seattle is hard, why not move to LA, which is such an easier market oh, to make totally. a living in. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially if you want to be an actress. <laughs> We're in the professional field and it's cheap too. <laughs> so you've got that going it's for so you. Deep. Yeah, I know it was, but I had this, I was, I was going to, I was, I had this offer for a gig on a podcast and the comedians podcast to sell commercials on their podcast. And it was the only person that had offered me a gig and I'd been searching for six months. So I was like, I got to take this gig and you know, I am not a salesperson, but right. I tried and uh, long story short, I had no money coming in. I had no money saved. Uh, I was on welfare and I, I had to face back with my son and I didn't have money for rent. And we were living right. in this little tiny, like 300 square foot studio apartment in Sunset Junction in LA. And I was like, that's it. We're going to be on the street. And so I was literally researching homeless shelters when my friend that lived upstairs came down and he was like, um, you know, if you make it on camera, they got to give you $50. If you make it on camera, if you audition for a reality show and you make it on camera, you can make $50 tomorrow. So that's how I ended up trying out for a show called Master Chef, which is right. a, the show that changed my whole life. And how much cooking had you done prior to this day? <sighs> not much, homie. Not much. I mean, right. I'd literally been in radio for 15 years, so I hadn't been in a kitchen for many, many years. And I, right. I had and done, mommy, you know, the nanny baking. cooked for you, everybody. Say that again, what? And mommy, the nanny cooked for everybody. No, the nanny didn't cook for anybody. <laughs> I was so, I was making so much money that I was, we were eating out every day. Right. Like, you know, it was like, I, I love, I had all my favorite restaurants in Seattle. They would, right. you know, we get, it was amazing. We didn't cook at all. But when I, when I was broke, and I had to go on WIC uh, in Seattle when all, all of it fell apart and I had to learn how to shop, you know, with a $10 a day budget. Oh I would God. buy all these apples. Yeah, dude. I would buy all these apples because on WIC, you can go to the farmer's market. They give you like an extra little check for you to go to the farmer's market. So I could go and get my fruit there. And I didn't really even know all the fruits and vegetables at this farmer's market. I was really unsure about all of it. I don't know what any of this is. So I would buy apples and um, I would, I would sit little danger in his high chair and I would in, in the kitchen and I would chop apples and pretend they were my ex-husband's face. And then I would make apple pie. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker, it's apple pie time. By the way, it's I, love apple pie time. I love that your son's name is danger. I love it too, man. That's awesome. He's, he's my favorite. And he's 10. He really oh is. my God. He smells. I know. <laughs> I know, dude. It's really smells. scary. Those shoes. So bad. The shoes, man. The <laughs> shoes. So there's actually a uh, there's a homeopathic method of removing that, which is like I can't remember what powder. I know it's cornstarch and uh, like I hate to say it, I want to say like boric acid. Like you mix it together as a powder. Is it borax? 
my, I'm just excited if he uses soap when he showers. Yeah, I mean, no. I'm not going to get him to sprinkle borax on his fucking feet. That's I not once tied, I tied Fiona, my daughter, my youngest daughter. I, I have like a tray. I have a Jeep and I have like a tray on the back of the Jeep that I, cause I go to the grocery and I go to like, like farmer's markets, shit like that all the time and buy stuff. And, uh, I put her shoes on the back and I netted them on there for the drive home. Oh my God. I made her put her socks in a, uh, I always have like the two gallon Ziploc bags in my car in case it rains. I like can throw shit in there or I cover it up yeah. I have the top off and she, she had to put her socks in there and she had to put her feet in the bags. Oh yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. She's, and she's such a beautiful child. I know, but it's, it's not their fault, man. Their bodies are changing. I know it's crazy. <laughs> I know it's it amazing. Is. I mean. I remember, but I don't remember. I don't remember smelling that bad. Well, because you can't smell yourself, but I guarantee you, well, anyone that was around you is like, "Oh God, do you remember?" <laughs> <laughs> remember, thirteen-year-old Brian Duffy. What the fuck did he wear? <laughs> uh, if I drink too much, like caffeinated coffee, uh huh, I get body odor. What? Yeah, and I stop, and I'll stop for like probably like a week and I, and I'll be fine for a while. But if I drink like three months worth of cat, like caffeine, like coffee, but I can drink decaf and not have a problem. That's so bizarre. Yeah. It's very odd. How did you figure that out? My ex-girlfriend who was a very, very is a very wise individual. Uh, her and I were talking about it and she's like, cause she was, uh, she used to go and do uh, practice. She didn't practice, but she was a patient of Ayurvedic medicine. And oh, so, yeah. uh, one time we had gone in and, and I actually am a huge fan of Ayurveda and, I had go, we had gone in together and she came you out. You hippie. She, I love it. I know. I am a hippie. Um, well, because I don't believe in all the other bullshit. I mean, my daughter, you know, I mean, look, I'm not going to, I mean, you know, I have daughters. My daughter went in and she, her period was going for too long. She's like, dad, I've had my period for like two weeks. And I'm like, oh all right, well, God. let's go to the doctor and talk to the doctor. And as soon as we walked in, they're like, we're going to put you on the pill. I'm like, she's fucking 13. She doesn't need the pill at 13. I'm like, we need to get her on a good diet. She's got to sleep right. We've got, you know, I mean, because that's what a lot of that stuff, you know, when your body's doing funky things, there's a reason for it. It's not just, I mean, in 90% of cases, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of shit out there that happens that we don't know why, but you know, I'm like, okay, well, let's try this first before we go on the pill. Em, are you okay if we, and she was like, yeah, fine. I don't want to take a pill, you know? So that's where the whole thing kind of started. And that was when I really started to get into a lot more of the Ayurveda and all that stuff. Because I'm just not a pill guy. Pills scare the shit out of me. I'm afraid to take them. You know, I mean, I had surgery a couple years ago and I wouldn't take painkillers. They just scare me. I mean, I'm a 48-year-old man and I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of pills. I don't want to all of a sudden become addicted to, I don't know. I have no, I don't even, I don't even know the names of fucking pills. I just don't want to take them. Yeah. That's real talk. People get addicted left and right. It's real easy. And it's scary as shit. I mean, what was there just a case? Was it Ohio where one or three pharmaceutical companies were just, you know, they were just, they were sued and lost because of the opioid addiction. Well, they knew, they knew. Yeah. Proven. Okay. So your child smells, he's 10. You don't have any (laughs) food. And well, he was one and a half at the time. He was one and a half, two years old. He didn't smell at all. He was shit. 
Yeah, he was. Well, he smelled like poopy, poopy pants. Yeah. You know, when they're two, they they like to like. You know, it's explosive sometimes. It's scary. Oh. The power of the human body. <laughs> did you did you hear Nick Liberato? So, by the way, everybody, we were just. Uh, I actually met Monty out in um, Portland, Oregon, Vancouver, Washington. We did an event at the A and A Casino out there, and I just, I, I, I just was immediately attracted to you by your personality and by your just your aura and everything about you. There was just something hey, about you. Thank you. It was just super cool. I mean, you just had a really cool vibe about you. And you know, so, I'm Puerto Rican. It's what we do. We're just well, happy, and, goofy people. But there was a lot of other Puerto Ricans around you, but you were the one that stuck out the <laughs> most of the Puerto Ricans that you were with. And so I immediately said, I want to have you on the show, blah, blah, blah. But later that night, we were all, there was like 10 or 15 or 20 of us back in my room playing card games and drinking and all that stuff. Well, here's the story. Nick Liberato, the chef, one of my, one of my best friends, couldn't come out that night because of the fact that his daughter's diaper fully exploded in the bed. <laughs> so they had to call the front desk. They had to have room <laughs> Like the room came up. They had yes, to sneak through the fucking sheets into the mattress. <laughs> like, so there's your, there's, I know all about explosions. God, so, yeah, see, it it's serious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm, I, this is, I'm, you're, I'm just, I'm, a, I'm called the interrupter. You're, you just keep telling the interrupter. The story just keep interrupting. You're, you're leading this interview. You're the lead. <laughs> Uh, um, okay. So now you're making apple pies. You're about to go on so you can get 50 bucks with, uh, Gordon Ramsay to go into the world of master chef having minimal cooking experience. I, yeah, I had none of the things. Okay. I'd never even seen the show. I barely knew who Gordon Ramsay was. All I knew is every time I saw Gordon Ramsay, he was surrounded by fire. That's all I knew. He yelled a lot. He was surrounded by fire. He was a famous chef. And, right. um, but the possibility of scoring fifty dollars uh, was very important to me. So, to order to audition, you have to make a dish, and I didn't have any food in the house. I legit was living off of coffee, um, and then you know the food was for my kid, right? And whatever he didn't eat, I would eat. Right. So we had um, these Honey Crisp apples that we had splurged on that day. We had like three or four Honey Crisp apples, and that was going to be our food for the next couple of days. And I decided to use them for apple pie. Have anything to make? You know, I had to use um, my creamer for my coffee to make caramel. Um, it was so bad. It was so bad. But I made these little tiny. I didn't even have enough for like a big pie, so I made these little tiny apple pies. <laughs> and I, I, I know I didn't have enough, man. Um, I made these little tiny like apple apple pies, and then um, I had nothing to carry them in. Nothing. So I was looking down this little tiny apartment that we lived in and I saw his diaper box and I just dumped out all the diapers in the diaper box, put a towel in the diaper box and put the pies, you know, in the diaper box and then strung my dog's leash around the handles of this diaper box. I made it into like a purse and I <laughs> strutted up to this audition for Master Chef, <laughs> like, you know, I'm Beyonce in my Prada shoes. Right. <laughs> like, you know, it was just bananas. And I had no idea um, how serious the whole thing. I had no idea. And, you know, and there's people in this line. There's like 500 people in line. 
they've all seen every single season of the show. They have like all these intricate dishes. I had no understanding of any of the words that were coming out of their mouth. I got hungry because, you know, you're standing out there for a while. Um, so I started eating my pies. I like sat on the floor. I didn't even bring cutlery. So I had to take my pies and scoop them out with my hands. And that's how one of the producers found me was on the floor, scooping apple pie out of a diaper box with my hands. And he was, <laughs> this like, <is> awesome. <laughs> he was like, what are you doing? I'm like, this looks bad, but it's actually really good. I promise. And he put me into the next room to talk to, you know, the big wig producers. Right. At which point I realized, you know, how, Oh, Wait, where's the $50 room? Is this the $50 room? Because that's really I all I I swear to want. you, man. I swear to you. I was like, do I get $50? <laughs> because I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> like, they, you know, they were cameraing us. And, they're, you know, there's like a line of like six fancy pants executive producers. And they're asking everyone all these questions about the culinary world, which I had no idea, you know, what the answers were. You know, like, what are the mother sauces? And I'm like, okay. That's barbecue. That's <laughs> ranch that's cheese, right? Like I'm, I'm like, I'm like the mother, mother sauces, moms, moms give these sauces to the kids. Like, I got, had no idea, you know, who's sous vide? What's sous vide? What's sous vide? I'm like, sous vide is uh, he's such a crazy person. Like I had no clue, dude. Right. It was so bad. And so, but they were laughing every time I talked, they were laughing and they were like, listen, um, you know, we realize that you don't, know anything about the culinary world but we're going to give you you know six weeks to to brush up on you know culinary technique and then give you the chance to audition for gordon ramsay which was you know an insane opportunity and they didn't give me 50 i asked dollars um and they were like no you don't get 50 dollars but um if you win this you get two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. at which point i was like oh well i have to win master chef yeah, that's my way out of this really horrible situation. I have six weeks to become master chef material. Wow. Let's do this. Yeah. And then, yeah. Wow. So uh, I, I would stay up all night and read books. And, you know, when you're, you're hanging out with your kids during the day and they're that age, there's no, you're not yeah. getting any reading done. <laughs> but, you know, when he would sleep aside, he would fall asleep and uh, I would just read up as much as I could because I couldn't cook the recipes. I still couldn't afford to buy ingredients, right. you know, but Seriously. I could read them. Were you working? Yeah, I could read them. Did you have any money coming in from anywhere? Was it odd jobs here and there? I mean, I would do odd jobs. I would do odd jobs. You know, my friend would watch my kid. Like, if I got to do, like, uh, I I was, uh, you know, I would do comedy. So if I could get a couple nights or a couple hours on stage, someone would give me 50 bucks here and there. But I had nothing, dude. Right. I had nothing. So, and why? I mean, and I mean, was there just no more opportunity to go back into radio or was that just, oh, are you kidding? I applied to every radio station oh job God, available, but you know, it's like once you're 86, you're 86, my friend, once you make a, a big stink at a radio station and quit spectacularly, it's going to be really hard. So how did you get your gig back? And I didn't dig into this when you did it. How did you quit spectacularly? Oh, uh, <laughs> I heard you say it before. And I was like, I need to come back to that. I need to come back. No, to that. no. I, you know what? I actually legit can't get into it because I, I signed a, 
and a, an agreement you. with lawyers. Yeah, but it, hey, Jerry, you can know. you find out? She was at a radio station in <laughs> Seattle because Jerry's a radio guy. Like Jerry knows fucking Jerry and Jason or the producers. They know fucking everybody in radio. Jerry, I'd like a full detail, please, if you could do a little call detail, some of your buddies. Do it. I think Gary got real quiet. He's like, oh, I know this. Dude. Hey, I'm working over here. I'm working over here. <laughs> hey. You got to dig into Seattle radio around 2010. 2010. Yeah. Find out what 2010. happened. 2010. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy time. <laughs> That's the laugh that you know that we're fucked. <laughs> Jerry's going to find yeah. out. Okay. So, so I mean, how, like, look, I know. I know TV. I get it. They want a personality. They want a. They want a, a, an underdog. They want all of that. But I mean, how without having the food in front of you are you now figuring? Because look, cooking is science. It's cause and effect. I mean, you have to have a product. You know, it's hard to understand what caramelization is if you don't I'll see it do happen. It. Right. Yeah. Well, they give you a test kitchen to use when you're not shooting. So there's a chance for you to go there and whatever food that wasn't used that day, you can go and, and play with and, and really work out. So yeah, this is so during while everybody your, else, for your, yeah, first, this we is filming. during the six week, oh, while you were filming. So this wasn't during that, yes. that research phase. And and I have to ask, what were you reading? Oh, during the research phase. Oh, yeah, I mean, Alice Waters, Art, The Art of Simple Food. I read wow. that back to back. I borrowed the book from a friend of mine because I didn't have money to buy it. Sure, of course. So she let me borrow the book and I just did my best to cook out of that. And, you know, I would go to the dollar store to buy ingredients. So I learned my skills by going through dollar store bags of carrots and onions and potatoes. Jerry um, just and messaged me to say, you know. <laughs> the what? He just messaged me the radio station that you were on. <laughs> hey. I'm not going to yeah. say anything. So I'm not saying anything. Thank you. Thank you. Please yeah, don't. No, no. Please don't. So, so okay. during, I mean, so you're going to the dollar store and you're buying ingredients there to try to figure out how to do this stuff. Yeah. And I was uh, buying ingredients to make pastas and making breads and, you know, I, I just couldn't really cook expensive things like proteins and things like that. But, you know, the cheaper cuts and the cheaper things I could do. And so I was learning really how to, which is actually a skill, uh, how to develop deep flavor with really cheap ingredients. Yeah. Um, so that's what I was learning how to do in those six weeks and learning as many techniques as I could about cooking under time constraints. So I knew that this was going to be a timed competition. So right. I was like, okay, I don't need to know how to make, you know, a soup that takes two days to put the broth together like a ramen. I need right. to know how to make something, you know, oh, wait, that I can, can do in 30 minutes. Up? All I know how to do is make pho. Can you guys just slow down the cameras for a minute? <laughs> Right, but that's people do that. Like they're all about these intricate dishes, sure. and I was all about simplicity and how to develop flavor in thirty minutes or less. So I knew how to cook with a pressure cooker. You know what I mean? Right. Things um, and and things of that sort to to help develop those flavors. So, what was the first dish that you had to create on camera or for camera? Do you remember? The very first dish that I created for Gordon Ramsay, I, I will never forget it. Um, it is a Puerto Rican shepherd's pie. It's called bastelon. And instead of a mashed potato, you have a mashed sweet plantain. And uh, I, I had chose this dish because it was my grandmother's recipe, who I love very much. 
you raised me. Oh my God. I love her so much. Anyway, <laughs> um, God dang it. I can't talk about her ever. Anyway, um, I wanted him to see the, I didn't want him to see this angry, like divorced single mom. Right. I didn't want to make it about my ex-husband and how he had screwed me over. I didn't want that to be the story. I wanted the story to be about Puerto Rico and the flavors that made me who I am. Right. So it didn't bust alone and he liked it and it was crazy. And I cannot watch the video of me presenting him this dish without bawling every time because that is the exact, yeah, dude, that is the exact moment that my whole life changed. When he handed me that apron, my whole life changed. Wow. Yeah. That's big. It was big. I owe that dude so much, man. I really well, do. Well, so where was your, so how are you sequestered at this point? Cause I, I meant, look, I'll be, oh, yeah. I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna, I don't have TV. So I've never, I've never even seen MasterChef. Okay. So I had no idea that when you shoot a reality show, you get sequestered. Oh None, yeah. You know, okay. so you're like, I'll uh, just go home. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm like, oh, they're shooting in L.A. It'll be like a 30-minute drive to Culver City. <laughs> no big deal. You know, like, um, but then the, the producers were like, no, lady, you got to figure out who's going to take care of your kid. And you're going to be here and you got to pack for nine weeks. You, you know, you might not be here all nine weeks, but you got to pack for nine weeks. Right. So my sister had literally just moved to L.A. Um, and. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this thing. I'm probably going to be gone for like a couple days. If you could just watch Danger for like two days, uh, that would be awesome. And I'll be back like in two days, you know, because I didn't think there was any way that I was going to get through. Right. You know, I, I just wanted to get a couple hundred dollars. I'll be, like, I'll be there for two days. I'll get a hundred bucks, you know. Do they, and now um, do, do they pay you for being on the show? No, not at all. They give you a day rate. So the first couple of weeks, you get like $50 a day. After you make it past a certain point, you get like $100 a day. So disgusting. Sorry. That just infuriates me because they make so much money. You got to realize that Ramsey's making a hundred plus thousand an episode. Yeah, but at this point, at this point, I I, I could have cared less. About right. I, I was like that hundred dollars to me was enough to put food on the table for a week sure. and a half for my kid and oh, I. Absolutely. So yeah, I was like, it's worth it, you know. Beggars can't be choosers, homie. Right. And that's where I was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah, but yeah, I was there for nine weeks. Nine weeks. I set fire to his kitchen three times. <laughs> I had no. I know. <laughs> it was a disaster. Okay. Uh, I mean, how did you set fire to the kitchen? How did you set fire to the kitchen? I'm a wreck. I'm a wreck. Right. The first time, the first time I, um, they had these rubber bottomed bowls, right? The metal bowls with rubber bottoms. And, yeah. you know, I, I'd not worked on this, uh, on these gas stoves before where the, the pilot light doesn't come off, you know, it's like, it's always <laughs> on. And, um, like, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Uh, I was making trifle, which is his, his favorite dessert, and I'd never made it before. And I was just trying to figure out how I was going to make this dessert. And I was running around like a crazy person back and forth to the pantry trying to figure out the different components. And I had whipped something up in the bowl, and I'd set it down on the stove. Um, and then I ran to the pantry, uh, and then I heard him screaming, Monte, 
Monty, where the fuck is Monty? You know, ran out of the pantry as fast as I could in my chucks because those are the best sneakers in a kitchen, in a greasy kitchen with no no floor mats. Right. Um, right. <laughs> and uh, I tried to stop, but my shoes are so greasy that my body just kept going and I oh. slammed right into him. I know, man. I have so, to watch this. So I have to watch. I'm literally taking notes right now that I <laughs> oh have to God. Google your entire season. Dude. Um, yeah. yeah. And then uh, he's like, what the fuck is that, Monty? And, and I turned around and um, there were flames. There were <laughs> flames. Everywhere. For real, homie. They were like three feet tall coming out of my station. And. He's like, what the fuck is that, Monty? I was like, chef, that is a bowl on fire. And um, he, was, he was like, just, hello? I'm here. I got you. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> my phone was ringing my bad. I'm like, oh, did I lose him? Um, that is a bowl on fire. And then he started laughing at me. Um, yeah, that was the first time. And then he wouldn't, yeah, I went and tried to grab the bowl with my bare hands like an idiot. Like, no. Round two, yeah, absolutely. You may as well burn the shit out of yourself and have scars to your mouth for the rest of your life. <laughs> he like slapped my hand away. He's like, no, yes. Yeah. And then uh, I, I don't know what I was doing in the oven at one point. I think I was trying to roast carrots, and they were really juicy. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like a pizza stone. It wasn't on anything. They were like, because we had to use a pizza stone. <laughs> And then it caused like an electrical short. <laughs> like, then like the whole thing was just like crackled, and I blew a sh- I blew I blew up a stove. Basically, I didn't blow it up, but like you know, I messed it up. And sure. And then I I uh, I was working in the kitchen uh, in the test kitchen with caramel. And if you've ever worked with sugar, the potential oh, yeah. for disaster is one hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Three times. Good times. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. That's got, that's some good history right there, but that's what, I mean, and that's what, unfortunately, you know, I mean, people want to see that stuff. People want to see a mistake. They want to see that because I think it does two things. One, it makes them feel a little bit better about themselves in a different light. And two, it makes them realize that, oh, this shit happens in real life, in, in professional life too. Yeah, I would use the word you know, professional very loosely. And a loose term. <laughs> yeah. Around that time in my life, you know, I was still getting getting my sea legs. I mean, it's funny. I do I do demos for General Electric, and I've worked with these guys for 15 years, and we have a, a wonderful, wonderful relationship. And everybody who assists me with my demonstrations, they're always like, well, I want to make sure it's perfect. I want to make sure it's perfect. I want to make sure it's perfect. And I say, well, that's great, but it's not going to be perfect. And I don't want it to be perfect. I want people to see that there's mistakes happen, you know, even in a professional setting with, you know, with a professional chef in a, in a home setting or something to that effect, these things happen, you know, you're going to burn it's a relatable, you know, it's exactly it's relatable. relatable. And that's the whole thing right there. And that's one of the reasons why through just through my research of you and, and that sort of stuff, why people like you is because you're relatable. Oh, and you were great fucking glasses. I need them. I I love when people ask me if I need them. It's like, why would I wear? If you, we were talking about this, do I need you just them? started wearing glasses. No. Like, yeah. why would you ever wear glasses in the kitchen if you didn't need them? Like, the what a disaster! <laughs> exactly. It's like being a pilot and having a whole bunch of dead birds on the windshield of the plane. There you go. I like it. 
like it. It's for style. I love my <laughs> It's that dirty. I lo- look, I enjoy, I like the appearance of the glasses and I like the fact that I can see now because I was getting really bad headaches. This is what Monty and I had a conversation when we were out in, in, uh, at the, at the ALNA casino and, and I said, I loved her glasses and we started to talk about it and blah, blah, blah. And we kept kind of making that little laugh because we both know what it's like to fucking cook in glasses. It's a disaster. So most it's of my kitchen is everything, everything looks like you're about to have a stroke, basically. You know, it's like blurry vision the whole time because there's grease and splatters. And then, have you know, I've ruined the finish on my very expensive lenses Yeah. every time. You yeah. get like a little grease splatter on it. It just ruins the coating on it and you have to get new ones. And they're expensive, dude. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It's like either I cook through a, a, a an oily lens or it's just a little bit blurry. So either way, <laughs> you're never really truly seeing the clarity of what it is that you're doing. So it may, be, may as well fucking taste good. Well, you know what? It develops your palate, homie. I truly believe I, that. Oh, I, believe, I agree with you. I agree with you. So, <laughs> so Dangerous 10 is in school. And now, what are you? I love how you're trying to hold back a yawn as you say that. Monty, I'm, so, I'm so fucking tired. You have no It's crazy. I'm exhausted. First off, I'm still recovering from Washington. Nice. You guys showed up in my room at 2.15 the last night. You told us to come I know. up. Everybody was supposed to be there. That was the deal. Everybody was supposed to be there. And it was, and, and, and everybody was supposed to be there. So like I had, I left on the table when I checked out on Monday morning, three cases of beer. I had a whole, they, the, the Amanda and Cheney bought me a suitcase that I filled with the booze and the wine that was, I came home with four bottles of booze and three bottles of wine. You see? Yeah. Everybody. Well, I said a huge mofo. You don't even, you're not even playing it right. You were on stage talking to like 150 strangers, telling them your room number that we were going to be throwing down. Like, don't even act like this was just us two stumbling up. At 2 a.m., okay? Let's, let's, let's set the scene correct. You got to come correct. The <laughs> like, of the industry speech <laughs> that I gave. Okay. But, you know, let's put a little clarity to the situation. Because we have, that wasn't we have, exactly right. We have a group text with, uh, like, all my buddies, all the guys that were out there, Kevin and Nick and Chad and Pete and all those guys. And we have a huge group text. And every couple of hours, it seems like, they're sending me a text message that says, hey, Bri, what's up with the state of the industry? Because I, <laughs> I was pretty banged up. I was pretty banged up. And they're like, you have your own forum at nine o'clock or whatever it is. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I have my own forum. They're like, yeah, you're on stage. We want you to talk about the state of the industry. <laughs> and I was in Washington and marijuana is, Ill- is legal. And uh, yes. I went out back and I took a little hit. <gasps> Before you went on stage? Which I never, ever, 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 ever. I don't drink when I work. I don't smoke anything when I work. Like, I'm super sober, man. 
in every single one of those situations. People come up in the middle of the events and they're like, hey, can we get you a glass of wine or can I get you a drink? I'm like, nah, sorry, I don't drink while I work because I don't drink while I work at all. Same here. Yeah. I mean, it's just and I never understood how people I've gone in hungover, but I just don't drink (laughs) while I work, you know. It's just kind of one of those things. And I never, I never, ever smoke or do anything like that. Well, you lose your edge. You lose your edge. There's so many. Yeah. When you're on stage, there's so many things, especially if you're doing a demo that you have to keep an eye on, not just the audience, but also what's happening in the pan. Yeah. And what's happening if you've got a moderator who has no idea what they're talking about. Oh my God. You know, (laughs) I just had, I do, I do an event in Philly. It's well, I do another event. (laughs) He's and like, I'm not going to name names. There's a wonderful guy who who does a great job as the MC, but I ask him to sit down during my demos. I'm like, I got this. I've been doing this for a yeah. long time. I'm really strong on stage. I've got it. I can talk for three hours if I have to. I don't really yeah. need assistance, but but I, so I did. So I smoked. I took I took a hit off of off of a joint while I was <laughs> yeah. out there, and I fully <laughs> inhaled too much. And I got up on stage and I'm like, oh, fuck. And that was it. So I, I finally just, after I kicked a bottle of wine over, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I have to send you some of the thread. I have to send you some of the thread of, of all of these guys that just ripped me off. <laughs> Chad, Chad sent me a text yesterday morning. First thing, dude, what's the state of the industry? Like, <laughs> it's never going to be like that. And I know it. I embrace it. I own it. I, I made a mistake and I'm okay with that. I apologize to the industry. Oh I apologize God. to the state. I apologize to everybody. Yes. But but long story short is that very few people came back to the room that night, which was awesome because I really just wanted like I just I was exhausted. I, w- I didn't go to sleep until 430 the night before. Like Nick Liberato was still hanging out in the room, you know, My and goodness. Chad, ghosted so it was a long night and then we were up first thing because we explored the shit out of portland i don't know did you get an opportunity to really get out no dude i'm an avid indoors person what <laughs> yeah i don't i don't like that i don't i don't need hold to on hold on the hold waterfalls on. i didn't ask you to go down a waterfall i asked if you went into portland did you go into portland yeah no i didn't have time i was we had to uh figure out all that we'd never cooked together. The girls that I was with, these incredible chefs oh. that I was with, not girls. Um, and we were trying to figure out our whole situation because oh, when you God. have Puerto Rican food, uh, not every Puerto Rican ingredient is readily available in the Pacific Northwest. So we had to figure out how we were going to create the textures and the flavors of our little Island, That's you know, cool. without all of our ingredients. So while you were, you were in Portland, I was nerding out hardcore i was uh we ate i think five or six meals that morning breakfast sushi ramen uh we were all over the place i think we had burgers place and then we got then we were trying to find the tattoo shop so we hopped on scooters on the motorized scooters so we had like we were like we were like a a, a, like a decrepit gang of motorcycle people on scooters (laughs) Just riding all over. Keith Breedlove fell. He broke the front wheel off of his. Oh my God, Keith! Oh, oh, we had a blast. We were trying to figure out if we were gonna if we had enough power to make it back to the hotel on scooters, but they wouldn't let us take over the bridge. No doubt. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, we had a great that bridge we, on scooters. Oh, yeah. Well, we were all over the city because – so they have a huge festival down there on Saturday and Sunday called the Saturday Festival. And uh, we hit that pretty hard. I mean, we bought – we were there's vendors down there. There's food vendors. At one point, I was eating Bing, Chinese Bing. I had East African, so Ethiopian. I was eating a chicken dish from Ethiopia. We had a burger Mexican because we had tacos. Then we went to a Japanese place where, what did we get there? We got bao buns. Yeah, we were all over the Dude, place. Dude, your, your belly must have been loving you. I was going to like, vomit. Come on. You, it's going to yeah, vomit. Okay. I put eight yeah. pounds on on that trip. <laughs> Just between yes. the just between the booze and the food. So God, that was it was a good time though. It was a great time. It was a great event. Really, really good event. Nice time. So there's a couple fun ones. Hopefully we can work out Vegas. Yeah, I want to go to Vegas. See if we can get that to go. I've got to make those. I've got to take care of all that stuff this week. Pardon my yawn. So anyway, yes. Oh. It's just because <laughs> I'm like, you know, I've got one day. Because I, I flew home. I guess I got home Monday night at midnight. Tuesday, I was in the restaurant all day. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I was in the restaurant. Friday, I had an event. No, I was away last week. I was away last week. I had an appearance in another city. I don't remember where. San Antonio or something. And then I was home for a day. And then I had to go and do cook in the restaurant. Then I had to go and do another event, which I fed a little over 2,000. And we don't just like... I don't just like show up and, and do little stuff like we do plated dishes. I did a charred smoked duck breast, which we did with like yes. a wasabi aioli and with barbecue spice and all that. And then we did a uh, white bean and duck confit slaw like as the base for it. So like we okay. go all out. We do all knife work like we don't fuck around like we really get into it because first off, people are paying us to be at these events. And we're giving food away, and I hate giving away shitty stuff, no matter what. But we were taking our portions. Yeah, I was go ahead. There's two schools of thought on that, right? It's always like the people that want to do the easy thing, and then there's the people that challenge themselves. So you're I'm in the just, latter half. I'm tired of seeing the easy thing because you know what? These people are coming to these events, and they're paying money to be there. A lot of money. So we build all of our stuff. Like all of my duck breast is seared. So I slice 16 slices out of each breast and then we sear each one to render some of the fat and caramelize it real quick and spice it. And then we put the hot duck on top of the cold slaw, like all that stuff. I'm just not a fan of like, who the fuck are you to serve soup? Why are you serving soup? Mm-hmm. I Do serve something. soup, but, 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 my but your soup's like really six- good. Yeah, and it had like way too many components, you know. I mean, we had like three different types of seafood and and six different types of and of that's starches okay. and but tubers that's a different story. That's a different story. It's a very You're complicated something. soup. Exactly. You're providing an experience for your guests. And that's the way that I see it. You know, I mean, even for us, I wasn't happy about like I normally when I do grilled cheese it like I did that Cuban the the East Coast Cuban with a, mm-hmm. a charred tomato um what the hell was it chowder but for me like i normally grill my do my grilled cheese on a griddle in the station so that it's super hot when it gets into yeah, the hot that was, seat. 
the temperature like, thing was an issue. They didn't have stations for us out there. That was weird. Right. And, and they didn't have, you know, they were pre-scooping soup. And then they the containers, this is the only bad thing. Look, And then, look, ALNA, it's your first one. So if you're listening to this, we're not bad-mouthing you. <laughs> what we're doing no, is talking no. shit. We're they talking killed shit. It. So, um, no, they killed it. It was an amazing event. And it's the first one, so you really don't know. Plus, on top of it, you've got to deal with local health and fire laws. You're not allowed to have an open flame in the middle of a convention center. So that's why we, we couldn't have burners out there. I that's might have found a burner out there. I, I might have had burner. I might have had a burner out there. A just, I am I literally calling the health department and letting them know. For next year. <laughs> I might have, I might have, might have stomped my foot a little bit. <laughs> how, many, how, many, how many of these events do you I do? I can't serve cold soup. Oh I did. gosh, not that many. Not that many, dude. I mean, I, I'm I'm in LA most of the time, and I I cook right, and I teach people how to cook here, um, and I so I'm. If you're talking about LA events, I'm at an event almost every week, but you know, around the country, maybe six or seven. I don't, I don't want to spend that much time away from danger. Right. It's tough. I mean, especially what you do, you know, I mean, I I have to deal with it as well. I mean, I don't want to be away from my girls all the time. You know, last year was tough, man. Last year was really tough. I did 105,000 miles last year in the air. A lot of fucking... I'm I'm 86, 87, 88 right now for this year, but I have a good support system. I mean, my ex-wife, you know, Fiona, my youngest daughter spends a lot of time with my ex-wife and, you know, and she's super cool. Like she's out today. They don't, they actually don't even have school today. And Emily's at Jacksonville. So she's in school. So it's not, you know, I don't have to worry about as much. My big thing is my dog. That's a big thing for me. And relationships are really tough as well, but you know. Oh yeah. Well, do you still try with relationships? I just gave up. Like, I have so much quit in me after my divorce. <laughs> I'm, like, well, I'm like, yeah. See, I met, it. I when I got divorced, when I, after kind of we decided that it wasn't going to move forward and I had moved out of the house, five days later, I met somebody. Mm-mm. You know, who was in the industry and all that stuff. And then, you know, we were kind of on and off and here and there and stuff like that. But we were together for a while. And then I just took a break. You know, I just kind of dated here and there. And it's tough because you meet a lot of people across the country and, you know, you you form relationships and stuff like that. And I never really had like a full-time relationship after yeah. after my ex-girlfriend. So, um, you know, I mean, and, and I mean, it's just a different world. It's a tough thing. If you can find that person, and I mean, I, I think I may have. I, you know, I mean, it's still up in the air. I mean, it's still a lot of work with any of that stuff. Who knows? I mean, you know, but then you find the person, they go away for a little while. And I mean, it's just a, it's such an ebb and flow and back and forth. And it's a tough world, man. And the industry yeah, itself is really hard. tough. It's, it's a tough world in the industry as itself. You know, because yeah, most you of add the nights, TV to that and you add, you know, oh, going to, that. you know, all these events to that living yeah. out of a suitcase. I mean, have you even unpacked yet? Well, so I have a, I have a, pro, I have kind <laughs> so of a, no. I have a routine. Uh, no, I do. I do. But I have all, I have like two of everything. So I have two phone chargers. You know, I keep one in my suit, in my briefcase. I have, I have two tooth, you know, toothbrushes. I keep one in my toothcase or one of my tooth, my suitcase in my dob kit. You know, I have two deodorants. I have two toothpaste. Mm-hmm. So I don't even have to unpack like stuff like that. But I have, have, have you ever used, pa- 
You ever use packing blocks? Yeah, dude. Of course I've best. used packing blocks. They're the fucking best. Because yeah. I put totally. my underwear and my socks in one, my T-shirts and shirts in another, and my jeans and chef jackets in another. And I can, I have a suitcase. I have a Toomey. Toomey, here's a blowout to you guys. I fucking love this suitcase. <laughs> and it's just a little Toomey suitcase that I can fit two days or 14 days. You know, I can fit three pairs of shoes in it. That's why I wear funky shoes all the time because I travel with so many different pairs of shoes. I'll usually travel with four to five pairs of shoes for a basic for that because I have a great suitcase and then I travel with 10 hats. No matter what, if it's a two day trip or a five or 14 day trip, I have 10 to 12 hats because I love hats. Dang, dude. Yeah. But you know what's funny when I come home? I don't wear hats when I'm home. I gotta let my head. Oh, breathe. it's just for your persona. It's for your no. Your but I mean, if I'm driving Fiona to school in the morning, I'm not wearing a hat that says "Make Tattoos Scary Again." <laughs> you know, I found myself at a regatta, my daughter's regatta, the other day, and I had a hat on that was from Urban Leaf in San Diego, a weed shop. Oh no, dude. You know, so it's like with like a with a, a, a this kind of stick drawn pot leaf on the front of it. But I just don't wear hats when I'm like running around here. If I'm going to go into like a grocery store, I have a hat on because my hair is a fucking mess. But yeah, I pull my hair like straight up. It's like all spiky. I pull it all up because I want to I want to like air my head out because I'm in hats all the time. I wear hats in the kitchen no matter what. And that's an automatic. For me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, try telling that to people. Give me a break. I had another guy call out today. It's the worst fucking thing ever is these staffing issues that we have these really? days. Really? I got to check in for my flight. <laughs> I felt like we're just chatting on the phone when in reality we're being recorded. Um, <laughs> this is being recorded for posterity, Duffy. Exactly. Don't forget. Names and likenesses will be changed. Um, I, uh, yeah, I wear hats all the time. I mean, what's one thing that you try, you said Chuck's before, is that like your, is that your go-to? No, man, I'm a gangly girl, right? I'm tall, five, nine you and a are, half. Like I gotta, you are, you're fucking I'm taller gangly. than me. What the fuck was that? You're taller than I am. I am gangly, man. I, and so I can't be running around in like heels and stuff like that. I gotta, I gotta wear sneaks, you know? Yeah. So I'm always in sneakers. You know, but I, but they have to have good traction and Chucks don't, even though I'll still wear them sometimes. But I, I did have the most amazing pair. I'm obsessed with Batman. Like I almost named Danger Bruce Wayne. Oh boy. But that was Nick's. Yeah. Um, But I had the best pair of Batman sneakers. (laughs) Yeah. By Ashley Madison. But that's okay. Cause then he got named Danger and that's even better. Um, But yeah, I had Danger's wearing my Batman sneakers now. So I lost those. Now I have to pick her out. I need a pair of snakes, but that's what I, I carry in my bag when I'm traveling around. I, I have like 10 t-shirts, a couple pairs of jeans and my sneakers. One of my guys called out this morning. Family emergency. Family He's just emergency. like family emergency. Do you believe him? Um, you know what? And after this, in, in this day and age, I don't believe anybody. I think that, that Ooh, you're bitter. No, I just, you know, I've just seen so many employees just come and go. And, you know, I mean, I just had a guy a couple of weeks ago. He just didn't show up. He just didn't show up for work. And then he sent me a text message that I'll read to you. Hold on, please. Oh, yay. Yes. I love that. They're the best. They're my favorite things to read are employee text messages. There we go. I'm not going to say his name. Include, you got to include the emojis. <laughs> 
well, there's no emojis because he's not really the mm-hmm. greatest. He, his texting fully sucks. Um, uh, da, 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 da. So his text to me was, I'm free Monday, Tuesday, Thursday next week. I'm only trying to cook on the line. No prepping. You not paying me enough for prep and line cooking. I need $16 an hour under the table. These are my requests if you want me in your kitchen. Thanks. Whoa. He and weekly, like, like, and weekly, you have to do my schedule to my availability of what I want to work on. And I said, you're not a $16 an hour employee. Best of luck to you. Wow. And it, it, and there was a lot of deleting and typing and deleting involved in that simple response. <laughs> Just so you know, <laughs> you're like, this will be used against me later on. Yeah, dumb <laughs> like, motherfucker. Possibility of this ending it up. Wasn't in, even that. He, the uh, funny part about it folks. is, he just wasn't that good in the first place. That's the thing. Yeah, this is a guy who took briskets, oh, an entire case of briskets, four hundred and seventy-seven dollars worth of briskets, flipped them upside down, fat down, and cooked them for sixteen hours. <gasps> nice. Two cases of wings after I spent 40 minutes talking about the process of how I put the wings in the smoker, of how I toss them, how I brine them, how I let them sit, the reason why I let them sit, the chemical reaction of what happens to the chicken when you add the acid into it and the salt and what happens with that. And then I laid them in the smoker and I placed each one a quarter of an inch apart so that he understood that the smoke won't permeate through and it's going to take longer to cook if things are stacked on top of each other. You're not going to get the same. Boom, 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 boom. Walked him through the hour and 45 minute process of how I smoke the wings themselves. Pulled him outside, took a video of it, showed it to him. Then I pulled them all off and I brought them inside and then I walked outside 25 minutes later and there was an entire case of wings dumped on top of one of the racks. Then the best part about it is the next morning I walk in and those fucking wings were still there. He forgot to take them out of the smoke. So like this is the employee that I was working with and I hate to say it but he was a body and he and he and he could put food out but he just wasn't any good. I honestly don't think he could read was what it came down to. I don't think that he could read and I just don't think he could read. I think he figured out how to do the checks but I don't think he could read recipes. And my recipes are written like simplistically. Yeah, it's a tough world these days. Dude, I know, man. I I was running a a vegan donut shop, and I'm never gonna do, do that, like again. that again. But I thought, but I thought it would be so easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought it would be like a cheesy easy. My friend needed some help, and and I'm like, yeah, no problem. Um, but trying to staff a vegan donut shop was the most insane experience of my whole life. Okay, like I I'm scarred. Like I had to go to therapy afterwards. It was a lot. Yeah. Like this kid, you, first of all, they'll straight up call you a murderer, like in front of people, you know, like these vegan kids are so passionate about animals that if you tell somebody that you drink milk, they'll call you a murderer. Oh Um, yeah. And then I had, yeah, I had one of them. He, I hired him to be a dish washer, right? His first day on the job, I'm trying to do payroll. Math is not my strong suit. And, you know, when you're doing payroll, everyone's login and their clock out and people forgot uh, to like, process even, you know, it's, just still, it's, it's, it's bananas. You don't want to talk to anybody. You know, you need silence and a strong cup of coffee. And this yeah. kid is calling me nonstop. 
And I finally answered the phone. I'm like, what's happening? Why are you calling me on my cell phone? Is there an emergency? <laughs> Where's the soap? I can't, I can't work like this. What is going on? The chef keeps giving me his dishes. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, well, you know, you are the dishwasher. Uh, and it isn't your apartment. It's not like your roommate is leaving the dishes for <laughs> you to sink. do. Yeah. yeah. Like this is literally what you were hired to do is wash dishes. It is in your job title and in your job description. And then he quit. So I had to go and wash dishes in the middle of payroll in, in the middle of payroll, homie. I can't, I was just like, I can't, I had a it's dishwasher. I had a dishwasher recently who quit because she felt that she wasn't appreciated and she was tired of me telling her to to store the bowls upside down. So the water would drain out of them. Why do you, why the fuck? What's up with you and fucking bowls? She said, what's up with you and fucking bowls? All you ever did was tell me how to to put the bowls down. Well, you're not putting the bowls the right way. They need to be upside down. It's that simple. And that was it. She quit. She felt that she wasn't being appreciated. Now, the nine months that she spent in jail on drug charges, there's a whole different level of appreciation for it. So I can understand. You just totally threw her under the bus. I mean, everybody knows. And look, and I don't, and here's my deal I don't give a fuck what you did in the past. That means nothing to me. I don't care. I mean, one of my greatest employees ever was a guy who was in murder, who was in jail for murder for 20 years, you know? And he got out and he needed a job and that's the way that it worked. And we had a great relationship and he worked for me for four years and he was an awesome employee. I don't care what you did in your past. I don't care what color you are. I don't care if you're a male or a female or or, or who you're married to or who you want to have sex with. I really just don't care. I just like people. And, 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 and we have a responsibility as employers to make sure that we give you hours and we give you a safe place to work. But you as an employee have a responsibility to us to do the job that you're being paid for. Yeah, you know? so simple. Just do I mean, the gig. I've held checks before. Like on a Friday night when most people would get their checks at the end of the shift. I'm like, guys, I don't know where the fuck the checks are. I know they were here. I saw the check. It came in. It was delivered to... The restaurant, I think I signed for the checks, but I don't know where they've gone since then. And this is a really bad thing to do because you it can it can backfire very quickly. But and then everybody's flipping out and everybody's pissed off. And I what the fuck? I want my fucking check. I can't believe I'm going to work here if you're not going to pay me. And it's literally like an hour long process of agony. And then I stop and go, oh, shit. You remember when you forgot where that check was for the burger that you went to cook earlier? Do you remember when you when that when you forgot to put the burger on the grill? Do you remember when you didn't put French fries down? Do you remember when you burnt the salmon? Do you remember when the ribs that you dropped on the floor and we had to start over again? Do you remember when you ran out of mashed potatoes in the middle of your shift? Well, now imagine if you're a guest. You know how you feel that you didn't just get your check. Imagine if you're a guest and you didn't get your food, and it changed the dynamic. And changed the dynamic at one point, but it's a really touchy, it's a touchy thing because things get said that they, that you never met. Like, you know what? I fucking hated working here anyway. Oh, here we go. Now let's see what direction this is going to lead, you know, but sometimes you have to kind of, you know, and every now and then you've got to kind of pull it back. And, you know, I used to pay my staff. I mean, I would run into the restaurant and I would get checks written. And I would sit down and do fucking payroll and try to pay them before the end of the shift on a Sunday. And then I'm like, you know what? Like this guy didn't show up the other day because he got fucked up because he got his check. 
I'm like, and now we're going to do what corp, what every corporation does, which you're going to get paid at the end of every, you'll get paid it every week, but it's a week behind. Like, so that I have time. So I saved my, I saved a tremendous amount of time in my tiny little place in Philly where I just write my, I go through and do payroll on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then everybody gets their checks at the end of the, the next week. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. But I take, I mean, and I take care of my staff, you know, I mean, I don't overwork them. I want them, you know, I work directly with their schedules and how I can help them. And I don't like having two people close like the same person close Friday and Saturday, especially when not it's a later much. restaurant, you know, it's like, it's just not fair. So I take pretty good care of my employees, but if you're not going to do the shit and in my place, everything's fucking cooked. It's a barbecue place in Philly. Everything's cooked. Why do you have 25 minute check times? No. Yeah. Have so you what ever are you- seen them do crazy stuff to warm it up? Like I, I was, uh, I did a show for Food Network that was called Help My Yelp, and I, I saw it. Yeah, was, I had. Oh, did no. Um, and then I had to go to these places. <laughs> I had to go to places and like kind of see what was happening in their kitchen and make people give them bad social media reviews. Um, and I, I was at a barbecue joint, and these guys had been doing barbecue for twenty years, and they were so in love with their their bar and they couldn't understand why people were giving them bad reviews and they thought it was the competition out to get them. And it turns out their line guys were warming up the barbecue in the microwave. Man, don't even start because I'll tell you. <sighs> Ooh, I just touched a button, boy. Well, because I, you know, I mean, I, I, I once took, over a, a bunch of years ago I took over a barbecue spot where like all the chickens were being bought at BJ's pre-cooked <laughs> yuck and re- and then grilled on the on the stove on the grill and then finished in the convection oven nice and dry like I mean you know there was a lot of shit and and I mean I've seen it all I mean you you've you've done it you've seen it I mean especially with that last show I mean I did bar rescue I saw nasty 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 shit Yeah no doubt no horrible doubt. stuff which is a whole other episode but So what are you doing now so what's your what's your what what are you doing now Uh well I just I was signed I just got signed to Gordon Ramsay's production company Studio Ramsay and I just shot a digital show for him that's going to be airing in January and I'm I'm going to be shooting a a pilot for Food Network that was supposed to be shooting today but it got rescheduled (laughs) um and yeah um uh and working with everything food because we're launching in January and that's really my passion project uh everythingfood.com that's really what and you know and I teach I do so many things dude um I teach uh, I teach in underserved neighborhoods through a program called Common Threads. Um, so we go to underserved elementary schools and we talk to kids about the importance of nutrition. And then we take their parents to, you know, the food desert that they live in. There's a lot of food deserts in these neighborhoods. Um, and if you don't know what a food desert is, it's it's a, a place where it's very difficult to get fresh, nutritious food where everything is ultra processed. So we take them to their the biggest you know supermarket at, in the food desert, and we show them how to shop the supermarket for nutritious food. Um, so I love Common Threads. I also work with a program called CCAP, which is Culinary Careers in the Culinary Arts Program. That's nationwide, and here in LA, they teach kids in high schools that are also underserved 
um, and they give them the skills they need to get jobs in restaurants as prep cooks. And for those of them that have really good skill set and like show promise, they get them scholarships to some of the best culinary schools in the country. So I love working for them so much because you meet so many cool kids. You know, my life was changed. I, I found the meaning of life on a cutting board and it's so cool to see kids who, you know, ha- are going through tough times and are also finding the meaning of life on a cutting board. It's really cool. Um, and then I also teach people that are trying to go uh, for a second chance in life, older people like in their thirties and forties that are trying to have that second career and they want to start in food. So I teach at LA city college. I teach a culinary arts program there um, that I just got started doing a few weeks ago. And I love that as well, because it's a chance to, you know, kind of take a look back at what I've done with my life and how I got a second chance and a second career in my mid thirties and, uh, and kind of give that back to people who are looking for that chance as well. Nice. Congratulations. You're a busy lady. And this is why you turned down going to Atlanta? I would love to go to Atlanta. I did radio in Atlanta for like eight years. Atlanta, yeah. I love the flying and biscuit. Like I was already making plans about all the biscuits we were going to eat. You know, um, <laughs> I wanted to go, but, you know, I, I am speaking for Common Threads on Thursday. Right. And, you know, it's for it's for these kids. And I just can't. I can't say no to these kids. I just so, can't, man. Just so everybody knows, I, I do these events for GE, and, and I had said to, and I don't have, normally I have a woman named JoJo who comes and she does, she's a culinary producer on my show, she was a culinary producer on Bar, on Bar Rescue, and she's a, an awesome individual, and she does all my, my shows, my live shows now as well, and she's really good, and she couldn't make this one, so I had asked Monty if she wanted to go to be my culinary assistant to help me out with this event, and she's like, well, I gotta go and speak, and you know, go speak to kids. In a- no, well, listen, first I said yes, because I thought it was Wednesday. And no, I was, no, first of all, what an honor, okay, because I was going to be able to, you know, go and I was like, you know, it's what, I'll just go Wednesday and I won't sleep. And then I'll fly out Thursday morning and be here back in LA in time to give this speech because I w- would love to work with you again. I had such Do a it. blast with you. I yeah. like, I, I, after our first conversation, I was like, we're going to be best friends. Yeah, That's it. I did. <laughs> like, I, and I, I mean, I said every day, I was like, this chick's fucking cool. We got to make sure she's involved because, you know, hey. we, get in, we do these things all the time and you meet really good people. And if you can keep that connection going, it's just, I mean, one, it's just good for everybody. I try to give as much to my friends as I get when people call me and say, Hey, we're doing a new event. Do you know any good chefs? And I'm like, boom, these are my people right here that'll fit in this arena. Like that's one of the really cool things that we do. I mean, Kayla's going to Vegas in in for my GE stuff. You know, there's some really cool chefs out there that do some really cool stuff. And you met a you met my core, a pretty tight core group of people that I hang with. So yeah, you got a good group, homie. Yeah, they're good people, man. I was fucking my stomach yeah. still hurt from laughing. I laughed for four days straight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Chef Monte Carlo, do me a favor. Yes, sir. Uh, why don't you tell us uh, who you are and how we can get in contact with you again? Well, my name is Monte Carlo. I am a chef. I'm a mom, and I am the co-founder of EverythingFood.com, which is a platform that takes over a million foods and gives you 
a quality score. So you can know how it was raised, how it was grown, and what chemicals it was processed with. Um, and you can get a hold of me on all of the social media with the tag at the Monte Carlo. T-H-E-M-O-N-T-I-C-A-R-L-O. And I will, uh, I'll be talking to you soon there, uh, Jefe. All right. All right, Captain. I can't wait. Thanks so much for your time today. It was great talking to you, and I'll talk to you soon. It was awesome talking to you. Say goodbye to your friend. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye-bye. Monte Carlo. So, again, here we go. Another badass individual that I get to meet while I'm out on the road talking to really cool fucking people. This time, it happened to be Monte Carlo. Uh, we were out at the ALNA uh, Casino Festival, the food and wine festival they had put on out there. We just had a great time. Just a super cool individual. I love the way that she interacted with the people that she was working with. And you could really see the passion and the food that she was cooking. And, you know, that's one of the things that I love about Puerto Rican chefs, especially like there's just so much deep driven passion and history into what it is that they're doing. And you could really see that with Monty. So hopefully we get to uh, do some events again in the future and kind of play. I got a feeling that we're going to be friends for a long time. So I'm pretty stoked about that. So everybody do me a favor and make sure you follow her on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff at the Monty Carlo, M-O-N-T-I-C-A-R-L-O. Um, that's our show for the week, boys and girls. I uh, really appreciate you guys hanging out and listening to that very uh, kind of staggered and uh, odd conversation that Monty and I just had. Um, that's what this show is. It's just a, a general conversation. You know, what's going on and what are you doing? And, and I think it's kind of funny to see uh, how many of us in the hospitality industry are all really feeling the same struggles, man. You know, employee, 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 staffing, uh, you know, the respect levels that are coming along with that and just the general professionalism that's kind of taking a break at this point, especially in the back of house. So that's what I got for you. So everybody do me a favor and check out all these amazing people that we've got uh, behind the scenes of the show, which is Jerry and Jason down there at radioinfluence.com. Yo, you got a, you got an idea for a podcast? Why are you not talking to these guys? You're sitting around, you're doing research, you're trying to figure out what to do, trying to find out equipment and how I'm going to upload and download and do all that other shit. Talk to Jerry and Jason, man. Get a podcast going with these guys. They do an unbelievable job. Do I sound like shit today? No, I don't sound like shit because Jerry made sure that I went and got all my shit that I needed because my microphone died last week and my cable went away and all that. So these guys are on top of their game 100% across the board. Um, go and do a podcast with them. Send them an email, man. Go to radioinfluence.com. Hit that little contact button. Talk to these guys and see what you can do. Connect to me. I'll connect with you, you with them if you'd like. Um, it's a really great way to get it done, and these guys just do a really nice job. Radio guys across the board. Jason's got his own podcast out there as well that he does. Just really good people. Go and check them out. Then we got Michelle out there at Techno Solution, all of our websites. Trust me when I say that you want to use Michelle for all your stuff inside your four walls. You want menus developed? Talk to her. You want me to build the content? I love it. What am I going to do on an artistic manner? She's going to put that menu design together. That's the way that it works, and she's great at it, so go check her out. Maggie Gagliardi, that's at M-A-G-Z-A-R-T. Trust me, boys and girls. Look at her artwork. Look at what she's doing right now. She's gotten into this amazing space of designing beer cans. 
unbelievable stuff that's coming out. Super creative, super colorful and exciting. She's making a massive name for herself in many, many markets. And I love what she has to do. So check her out as well. Boys and girls, thanks so much for hanging out with us on Top of Five Live this week. Do me a favor. Get out there and just be fucking nice. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. This is an MJ Morning Show podcast quick fix on Radio Influence. Dave the Dwarf. Hey, what's up, man? It's MJ, it's Froggy and Fester. Now, are you still doing the Wednesday night contest at Showgirls in Lakeland, or is that kind of off the table? Nah, man, I'm there. I'm sitting. I do it from there. I don't get on the stage yet. You go? Dave, I I was joking around. Wait a minute. You still do that? You're still doing the Showgirls gig at the strip club in Lakeland? (laughs) Yep. But you don't get on the stage? Wednesday night. From a motorized wheelchair? They should build you a ramp yeah, to the stage. Well, from a regular wheelchair. I can't take the motorized wheelchair there. Oh, okay. I have a van and everything. But just a regular wheelchair. I sit right there at my VIP table, and they just give me the mic and the card. What a pimp. Do they still have that little placard that says reserved for Dave the Dwarf? Hell yeah. That sits on that table? I'll tell you what. I got to give the owners of Showgirls in Lakeland. I got to give them credit for still employing Dave the what? Dwarf. How about Dave the Dwarf for still doing that gig, man? Good for you, Dave. You're a- I was joking around. You're still doing Showgirls from, ah. a, from a wheelchair. That's incredible. Pimping ain't easy, man. <laughs> <laughs> The MJ Morning Show podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, mjmorningshow.com, and radioinfluence.com. 